0: Welcome to the Saturday Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and we finally have Jared Pickney coming back on the podcast. I know everyone was wondering where that smooth Southern voice was. He was traveling the world or something. I don't know. You were on vacation. You were too busy for me. Uh, So many of those things. But not only do we have Jared, we also have his uh, partner in church leadership in Paragold, Adam Breckenridge joining us as well uh, to talk about leading and being part of DNA groups. And we're going to dive into that in a little bit. But first, how are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, Brad, doing real well. Um, I thought I was dying of leprosy last week. Uh, come to find out it was a gluten allergy. So uh, I'm still dying, just not as quickly as I thought I was. So Uh, that's really good news glad to be here (laughs) glad to hear your voice that's great now over to you adam
2: (laughs) hey brad hey adam thanks for having me back on the podcast
0: i'm glad you're back
2: we're doing well here you know uh we live in a, I mean, it's not a super small Southern town, but, um, you know, 27,000 people and high school football starts back up this week. Nice. So, uh, I've got clear eyes and full hearts mm. and I can't lose. That's good. And uh, the, <laughs> the weather is starting to get a little bit of that fall nip in the mornings. And so, I mean, um, uh, just really, uh, enjoying that right now.
0: Wow. That's good. Are you also giving, uh, Jared lots of Jabs about how he's now achieved full whiteness now that he has a gluten allergy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People in our people
1: in our church got mad when I told them that.
0: I believe it, man. That's that's a you're brave to to come out with a gluten allergy.
2: Yeah, because people are like that. Ain't, gluten's not even real. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's not kids, just made up. <laughs> kids get beat up for that kind of thing in in
1: schools. Yeah, if you get gluten allergies, you get picked on.
0: That is rough, man. So I'm moving to L.A., man. You should. You come out and everything's gluten-free. Like, It's just the default here. You have to ask people, can I have that hamburger with gluten, please? (laughs) (laughs) Can I get
2: some some extra gluten with that?
0: Yeah. They're like, well, that's going to be an extra charge of
1: $2. Have you been hanging out with any celebrities out there in Hollywood?
0: (laughs) You know, the only celebrities I've seen and that I recognize. So something that happens often is people like, oh my gosh, that was so-and-so. They just walked by. I'm like, oh, who is that? And they say, oh, well, he's on, you know, yada yada TV show. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. What show is that? It's on this channel. It's like, I didn't even know that was a channel, a TV <laughs> show. I have no idea who these people are. But uh,
1: do people recognize you?
0: No one's recognized me. Okay. You know what? You want to know a really funny story though? Just about pastor pride is. Uh, I was on the subway with my daughter, and we're coming back home from a soccer game. And we're just chatting and there's this guy that we've been building a relationship with and his son and we're all talking and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then this lady turns around and she goes, excuse me, are you Brad Watson? And I was like, oh, yes, I am. And she goes, I found your driver's license on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I was like, okay, cool. That's cool.
1: (laughs) You're like, would you like me to sign your book? Oh, No. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, I have my first
0: random fan. But (laughs) it did not happen. I would just lost my driver's license. So anyway, guys, it's good to have you back on. Because about a year ago, we recorded the most popular episode of the Saturate podcast. And it was about the Enneagram. And it kind of took off tons and tons of people have listened to it engaged in it. Uh, I see people using uh, the resource you guys put together on engaging the Enneagram, even in DNA groups. So it kind of ties into what we're talking about today. So before we jump into DNA, I think, you know, the Gospel Coalition has written some stuff about the Enneagram. And it's now, I think even since we did that podcast, I'm not saying it's because of us, but it's become a huge evangelical fad, maybe, the Enneagram. And so, Adam, since you are just a really big Enneagram fan I thought you could just, you know, respond to the critiques of the Enneagram, you know, like, uh, what do you think about the Enneagram now, as opposed to a year ago?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just defend that on the fly. (coughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love being caught flat footed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I love you, Brad. I'll say one thing. I I think it's hilarious when people, um, hilarious, but, but that's really a polite way of saying frustrating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When people say that when people call me like an Enneagram expert or an Enneagram fan, I, I really not trying to Jesus juke or be super spiritual. But uh, I'm a big fan of Jesus, God. like the person of Jesus. I'm a huge fan of who he is and what he's done uh, for me personally and for the world. And so I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a, I'm a fan of the, of the Enneagram. I would say that for me, it's been a really helpful tool. And a really helpful vehicle, to just just you know, to help me understand uh, how much I need the grace of Jesus. But I always love that people want to say like, "Hey, you're the expert," or "You're the fan," or you're, you're "Adam's a huge enneagram guy." And I'm like, "No, I'm a I'm a huge gospel guy." And the enneagram has like been a been a pretty uh, helpful tool. Um, and so you know, that's. But you know, just to say, like, I um, I get it. I think that um, just like any tool. Mm-hmm. Um the Enneagram can be uh used it can be framed up in a lot of the gospel and used in a really as a really helpful way for your spiritual formation uh, but like any other tool it can also be used um inappropriately or used to to do really hurtful violent things to the soul and I think one ways you see it being used is just purely as a, for, as a form of self-actualization, just for like where it just, just terminates there. It's really, um, it's all about you. Mm -hmm. It's not about, it's not about your creatureliness or your, your, your humanness or your need for something outside of yourself to save you, which is, uh, the way that we frame it and use it. Um, but instead it's kind of used as just kind of a self-help tool and that's pretty much the end of it. And so, Um, I'm just like, man, I, I get it. I understand why people critique it. And I, I've leveled some really strong critiques. I'm not like writing about that stuff online. Uh, maybe I should. But <laughs> just in personal conversations, I have I have critiqued pretty heavily and pretty hard, even told several people to stay away from certain kinds of, you know, don't read this guy. Don't read. Don't read. Yeah. her, You know, um, right. So I'm not sure if that's uh, a very well thought uh, response. Um, but that's probably the the best I've got uh, flat footed.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I really appreciate you engaging in it, especially when you thought you were coming on for something else. <laughs> this has gotcha journalism.
2: I love it. Hey, no, you know, I would I would say one more thing. You know, I would say like there's been a couple of really good um, articles that have been written in response uh, to some of the gospel coalition stuff. And I think that they're really charitable and fair. I think that mm-hmm. one way that I really love the way that Christians are having this conversation in a way that honors one another. And it's not at least so far turned into any kind of name calling or um, slander or anything like that. Um, totally. uh, there's a great, great post and re- great article in relevant magazine. Um, and then uh, Chuck DeGroat, who's one of my favorite. I mean, I just love, If you haven't read "Toughest People to Love," um, "Toughest People to Love" is phenomenal, and so I could go on and on about that if you ever want to do an episode about it. But (laughs) you know, he's written a really helpful, thoughtful response, especially to this last uh, Gospel Coalition article, and uh, he even talks in there about how much he enjoyed reading that article and how much he agreed with it, and yeah, uh, but slightly kind of corrected a few things. You know, if anything, I'm just kind of proud of the way Christians are having this conversation, and I think it's helpful. I think the conversation matters, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think it's—I think there's a ton of wisdom in in having the conversation and the way it's going about. Because, as you know, the way I was introduced to the Enneagram was with a spiritual director, and I took a test that I paid for, and then we met me and my wife seven sessions over a six-month sabbatical, and the Enneagram was not the focal point. Jesus was the focal point, mm-hmm. our relational health was the focal point. And about yes. maybe out of those seven two, uh two of those sessions actually had any Enneagram connectivity at all. Mm-hmm. But surrounding it was basically like, just a few nudges on like, oh, this is your result. And then kind of, the The guy Jim Cofield really treated us like full humans yes. in those situations, yeah. and he knew us. We had had all these conversations before,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so the enneagram to me was just this great tool that helped clarify a few things for me and for my wife, and it was really, really helpful. And so one of the things I see happening now is, especially, you know, Adam, you and I were talking a little bit before we got on about how I live in a super narcissistic society. People take the enneagram and just you know, it's like a new, th- new thing to plug into with our narcissism. Yep. It's a good, it's a new pair, you know, it's a new way to excuse behavior. It's a new way to get ourselves off the hook and all of these other mm-hmm. things instead of turning us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that even the the title of, uh, it's Richard Rohr's book, right. The road back to you. Is that right or no?
2: Stable. I think I'm saying her name right. Oh, yeah. that's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, that title is so great because in our nice narcissistic society, it's like, well, I want to get back to that, mm-hmm. and I understand there's really uh, good reasons for that, but I think that it's we kind of, as Augustine says, there's this incurvitas where our soul just bends in on itself. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of bending outward towards God, as as Augustine, you know, declared, and then John Calvin. Talks about we do need to know ourselves rightly as creatures created under God, sin in need of redemption, and need of restoration. And, yes, and I think that the enneagram really does do that well.
2: Yeah, if you use it, if you use it appropriately. Yeah, man, I could go on and yeah. on about this. This is so fun. But I've been <laughs> I've been immersed late, lately in uh, Luke fifteen. I mean, I you know the prodigal God or prodigal son, if you want to call it the prodigal God story. But um, it's really fascinating how when the younger brother realizes that all his coping strategies um, for trying mm-hmm. to do life apart from the father, when he realizes that those are no longer working, the text says he comes to himself. So he kind yeah. of comes to himself. He comes to his senses, um, which is the beginning of, of repentance. And then the next thing, the next movement of the story is he comes home to the father. And then the next right. the story ends with the father inviting both of them to come into the party. Um, and so, you know, come into the celebration, um, the life, uh, of the father, the party that the father is throwing. And so, um, that coming to yourself or coming to your senses, um, which I don't necessarily think is the way that Stabil is totally using the phrase, but it is the way that I use it. And we use right. it at fellowship. Here's what's beautiful. You don't need the Enneagram to do that because the Holy Spirit does that. Right. <laughs> So once again, I'll go back to it's just a tool, you know, like, I mean, it's a tool that the spirit can use to help you come to your senses and gain some self-awareness. I will say this, you know, you can't change your mind about what you're not aware of. And so that's one thing that if repentance means to change your mind and turn back to Christ and to let him capture your imagination rather than yourself uh, or other things. I think the Enneagram can be really helpful there, you know, in terms of helping you gain some self-awareness of, well, here's the things I'm looking to or the things that are kind of eating my lunch or sabotaging me relationally with God and others, you know, but even that's the spirit's work. And so that, that right. can happen just from being in a missional community and being around other people. That's the primary way that happens. And so totally. sermon over, but I think uh, this is a really <laughs> fun conversation. I'd be happy to have it anytime.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for indulging me. And, and I think it, it definitely relates to today's topic about DNA groups. And then just for all you listeners out there, if you've come onto the podcast, and haven't listened to that episode. It's episode 11. It's called Using the Enneagram in Missional Communities. And I, I love that episode. And oftentimes, uh, yeah, people listen to that and then talk to me about the Enneagram and they're like, but I thought you really liked it. It's like, <laughs> well, I, I really do like it. You know, I'm just kind of warning against guns are good, but like sometimes they hurt people. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I hope, hopefully, that gives me some fans. In Arkansas <laughs> I don't know maybe not. Anyway, moving on, DNA groups. I wanted to have you guys on and talk uh, through this uh, because the, there's such an importance into having healthy, thriving uh, DNAs within a missional community. And uh, and for for those of you out there, uh, the acronym DNA has there's multiple versions of the acronym. Within saturate, a lot of times we descri- describe it as discover nurture and act. And it's sort of this uh, acronym about the flow of the times that we have together. Other people don't even call them DNA groups. They call them fight clubs, D groups. There's a whole bunch of different names. Uh, But I think what makes them like the idea of them so important, it's a space for disciples of Jesus to grow in discipling one another. And so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, But before we do, Adam, maybe you could just describe what exactly a DNA is and how you explain it to people uh, in your context in
2: Paragold. Yeah, man, I'm happy to do that. So, yeah, um, we've we've played around with the language a lot too, and um, and so one of the things we've kind of landed on is we we really describe a DNA group as uh, three or four people, men with men, women with women. All right? These are gender specific groups, but a group of three or four people who are committed to helping each other live out their discipleship to Jesus through nurture and accountability. So. Um, you know, when we say discipleship, of course we realize like that's an all of life reality. So learning to submit your whole self and your whole life to Jesus is something that happens in all of life. And so, um, a DNA group is not, you know, we talk about it as this is not the exclusive place where discipleship happens, but it is a necessary place. It's a, it's a necessary discipleship environment in order for us to grow. And, and so, Mm -hmm. um, I think even if you look at the life of Jesus, even he had a few trusted relationships with whom he went a little deeper, um, and, mm-hmm. and guys that he leaned on when the pressures and the temptations of a fallen world were kind of coming up against him. You really see that in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you know, I want you guys to pray with me. I'm lonely. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And he was just being human, right? And so, and then of course he disclosed himself more deeply to those guys at the Transfiguration, and we just see this as a, a necessary. Uh, discipleship space, and so the idea is that you know your DNA group is the group of people who get to know you well enough to know where you need to be encouraged and challenged in your discipleship to Jesus. They they know where you uh, struggle and need to be encouraged when it comes to being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus and and doing what Jesus did. And so, um, and then of course we say that primarily happens as they meet together regularly, just to provide some some nurture and accountability for one another. And, uh, and so, you know, we see that the DNA group's the primary place where the gospel really gets nurtured, not just into the head, but kind of into the heart and then sort of hopefully mm-hmm. then so it can kind of be pressed out into the hands, if you will. And so, yeah, you, you know, we, we do that in, in DNA groups. That's kind of how we, um, I guess that's the, how we kind of define it, if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that that's just a really helpful kind of paradigm shift for people. I think that there's a pendulum sometimes where people say like, no nah, man, like all of life is discipleship, like no structure is necessary. And then there's other people's like, no, discipleship only happens one-on-one when I'm a mentor and I pour into somebody else, and we like read the Bible. But I think a DNA group though is as at least, you know, kind of what you're describing is this really important structure that, that creates the space for disciples to grow in these things mm-hmm. to begin submitting all of life to Jesus. And you do have to have conversations and you do have to have other people with you to do that. You, uh, you do have to put something on a schedule and a calendar and you do have to make commitments to one another and say, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to trust and I'm going to rely on you. I need you to pour into my life. I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to point me to Jesus. And uh, not just in this time when we're together, but if we don't have this time together, then it's probably not going to happen.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, super important. Jared <laughs> could probably riff on this way way more than I could, but you know, this idea that just discipleship is all organic is uh, is just kind of a false idea. And I don't know if you've ever read the trellis and the vine, but just oh, yeah. the, just the reality that you have to be intentional, or else you'll be formed. You're, you know, you are going to be formed by the world and the culture is going to form you, and so you have to be intentional. And so there is this, this, this way of, Hey, we're going to meet together. And the scriptures even command that, you know, don't stop meeting together. And so, and so, you know, again, DNA group is just one of those spaces. I mean, if you look at the life of Jesus, he kind of had four discipleship environments, you know, he would gather mm-hmm. uh, and and kind of worship uh, in the temple in a large setting. He had his 12, which is like, be like his missional community. He had, you know, his three, which would be like his DNA group. And of course he had that personal space, which is just his own pursuit of the father. And, his own silence Mm -hmm. and solitude, his own practicing the disciplines. And so that's really kind of how we talk about DNA groups just as one. We don't elevate it and be like, you know, it's, it's, it's the secret sauce, uh, but it's one crucial environment. That's so true. And,
0: and so really missional communities exist as these men and women, you know, groups of, you know, a dozen to 20 or, I mean, some groups I've been in have had 30 or 40 people, but uh, you know, that's a missional community and then a DNA Group is a subset of that, of yeah, as you were saying, three or four disciples, guys with guys, girls with girls. Sometimes people are like, Man, that's like a middle school dance. Like, why are we separating guys and girls? And the reality is, uh, at least in my experience, is uh, sometimes you have to separate husbands and wives to like understand what's really happening in a marriage and to like truly encourage people in that also to like truly get to the heart and so i think it's it's actually a pretty good practice but, but anyway that's what they are as a subset and and jared for you you know i've heard you say before that you think a missional community will only be as healthy as the dna groups within that mc so i've yeah i've heard you say that like an mc can only be as healthy as the dna's within that mc uh, can you flesh that out a little bit more for us
1: yeah so in essence just what we've discovered here is that most of our MC leaders don't have the capacity to go deep with everyone within their MC. I mean, for availability reasons and just ability, you know, I right. mean, which shouldn't surprise us. I mean, you look at Jesus himself, right? Though he had 12 disciples, he really only had three that he spent the bulk of his time with and went deeper with. And so with that in mind, we've just come to realize that if we're going to provide a context where our people can mature in the faith, we need to provide a smaller context. For that to take place, which for us means um, at this point in our ministry, right, we're trying to help MC leaders identify and equip DNA leaders within their MCs so that we can help people go deeper than what they'd be able to if they were relying on, you know, maybe say an MC leader who's trying to shepherd, as you were talking about all well, the mean, 15 to 20, 30, 35, 40 people, right? Yeah. Uh, on top of like, you know, running their kids to all the sports and doing errands and whatever else. And so... Because of this, for us, we're making a bigger push than ever before to get our people plugged into these DNAs to -hmm. help people see how these groups of three to four men or three to four women really are a vital part of their discipleship to Jesus. And so, um, you know, one of the things I love about uh, Brad, obviously, we're part of the Soma family of churches. And I'm assuming there are many like-minded churches that are listening to this podcast and one of the things I love about our culture is it's a grace culture. We say all the time, like, you know, you can belong before you believe. It's one of the beauties of missional community. Right. Yeah. But it's also one of the difficult things about it, because whenever mm-hmm. you tell people how you can come as you are. Yeah. Well, that means people come as they are. Exactly. You yeah. know? And so that they, they come with all their baggage, all their loneliness and their lust and their religious hangups and their greed and their bitterness Right, And their depression and their anxiety, and they're coming. And the reason they're plugged in is they're looking for healing. And for us, we just think the DNA, probably more than anywhere else, provides some sort of a, honestly, some sort of a therapeutic community Mm. where they can experience a healing on a much deeper level. And as a result of that, become more of this transformed presence as the gospel is able to touch these deeper places of their being. And because of this, when this begins to happen, right, it begins to permeate and begins to influence the rest of the missional community, which uh, which clearly affects the overall health of the MC. So that's what we mean whenever we say MC is only going to be as healthy as the DNAs within that MC.
0: Right. And, and that health, even that you're describing, is not just soul-like care health. It's also, in my experience, is missional health as well of an MC. Sure. Uh, sure. Because within a DNA, you discover the gospel, you experience repentance and health and healing and, and all of these things. And and it's that tasting or that devouring of the good news that actually propels us forward to share the good news exactly. and to like walk mm-hmm. through all of these things. And so uh, it's a lot of times people think of DNA as the the retreat, you know, from the mission, but it's really, I think it's, you just can't separate the two. It's, oh, I say it's one of those weird things of, you know, often whenever I'm trying to explain to people on how, just how they can take a few steps into mission uh, to live a missional life, I tell them the first thing they do is they need to like hang out with like two or three other people once a week that already believe in the gospel and talk about how good the gospel is together. And that's like the ground bed to living on mission. Then there's some other cool stuff that I say too, but that's that's the first thing I tell people to do.
1: Yeah, the whole idea is just, I mean, like you cannot pour from an empty cup. Right. Mm-hmm. And So, I mean, the deeper the gospel is moving into your own being and your own soul, like the more, the more you're going to be able to pour out right into the lives of others. And and mm-hmm. you're going to be able to see that the gospel really is not just true news, but good news. Mm-hmm. Like it really is transforming like some of the darkest and hardest and messiest speaking of that stuff in your entire life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's when from that place you're able to go from a place of rest Mm. And, and and joy and and peace right from a transformed presence of just being with jesus um and then you're able to yeah go out and and, and mission at that point begins to be something that is i think becomes a natural byproduct of that mm-hmm. yeah I, I would just agree with that and i'm glad that you, you you draw that out and made that clear yeah
0: no problem um you know one thing that you said i that I kind of want to go back to is about identifying DNA leaders. Uh, Can you guys talk a little bit about uh, what that looks like? For example, how do you identify uh, DNA leaders? Like what are your expectations for them? Is that like a whole new layer of, of leader training, all of that sort of stuff?
2: Yeah, I'll try. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So we're, we're, this is, we're making this shift now. This is in process for us. And so, um, yeah we are uh, in the pro- you know we've you know we've fleshed out kind of a dna leader role description hmm. and uh and so basically i'll try i'll just try to start answering the question here i mean the w- what we're saying is the role of a dna leader is is that he or she is really there to guide their group on this journey of taking the gospel from the head to the heart so that they can act it out with their hands uh, and so we you know we see this happening primarily as the leader is helping to create an environment where uh, people can just practice being real with themselves, uh, real with others, and ultimately be real with Jesus. I mean, that, that's that's really the reason why DNAs matter is because um, you know, again, if our discipleship model is patterned after Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, we need a small trusted space where we can take off the mask and tell the truth about ourselves, and then trust that whatever we say will be heard in love and held in confidence, uh, yeah. and we we will be nourished. Like whatever we say. Our shame, our guilt, our fear—you know—whatever um, we say is not going to be shamed or slammed with like, uh, you know, some biblical platitud.e But it's going to be—it's going to be met with an empathetic gospel presence and gospel words. You know, um, and and people can be nourished uh, that way. They can show up and be themselves, and be and, and then have the father's disposition toward them reinforced in the way their group responds. Uh, And so we're looking for people who can help us create a space like that. We're we're looking for leaders who first and foremost can get on board with that and say, yeah, I want to do that. I want to help you create a discipleship context like that. And so, I mean, to that end, like some of the kind of character pieces or competency pieces we're looking for is we're looking for leaders that we know already are are pursuing Jesus who are faithfully on mission with their their missional community, uh, who are able to model vulnerability Um, and then who are able to do three things really well and they're able to, you know, listen for the heart, ask good questions and speak the truth in love. You know, if you can be, if you can do those things or be trained in those areas, which I think anybody can, none none of this is, you don't need to be a counselor or whatever to be able to do this. This is really about how to do relationship, honestly. Yeah. Um, and so if you can, if you can listen And ask questions um, to draw out the heart, and you can you can connect the longings of the heart to the gospel. Then you can be a DNA leader, and that's really what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to um, we're trying to get you know identify DNA leaders and put them into cohorts. And then we're just going to try to meet with them and coach them in those areas on a monthly basis. I mean, that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, Um, We're going to try to coach people on, you know, how to listen, how to to have an instinct to listen and not just a knee jerk reaction to fix Mm. or like throw a quick fix at someone when they, when they pour out their heart and they talk about what they're afraid and you don't just jump on them and be like, well, what idol is underneath that? Mm. Um, But instead you're able to just kind of listen um, and then ask some helpful questions, you know, like, who was involved? What was the context? How old were you? How long has this been going on? How does that make you feel? How are you coping with that? What do you need from us? Hmm. Um, you know, or what is it you desire from Jesus? I just, I just love Jesus's question in Mark 10, when he asked the blind guy, like, what do you desire me to do for you? And so I just, I think it's really powerful. Like in my DNA group, whenever I just encourage someone to stop and ask Jesus that right now, you mm-hmm. know, You know, stop and share with Jesus what it is that you want Him to do do for you. What do you need from Him? What do you need from us? How can we be the body of Jesus for you right now? You know, those kinds of questions are really powerful. Um, And then, of course, just to be fluent enough in the gospel and to be sensitive enough to the Spirit to know how to connect whatever somebody says um, to, uh, you know, the longings, the needs, the desires of their hearts to connect that to Jesus in a very like authentic and natural way, you know, nothing that you don't have to force that. It's just, again, it's just really people who can, who are fluent in the gospel and can do relationship. (laughs) That's, if you really want to boil it down, that's, that's kind of what we're looking for. So does that make sense? Is is that helpful?
0: Yeah. And I think that's so good. And, and even there's so many good lists of like questions to ask people out there. And it, and it really is uh, such an important piece. Uh, we'll actually have an episode later this fall that's going to be all about listening and asking questions, which should be good with my wife. So there's a little plug for future episode. But yeah, I love that that that's even just sort of the basic competency uh, that you have. A follow up question: If that's the expectation for the leaders, uh, what's the expectation for participants? Like, what are you asking them? Because uh, I think that's a huge piece. Sometimes we we miss that, in this whole missional community movement is we don't clarify hey, this is what we, we want you to be part of uh, and this is what we expect from you. So what, are, what are those for a DNA group?
2: Yeah, very good. So, yeah, we do have uh, certain w- w- expectations for, for DNA group members and we're asking leaders to help, you know, um, help people, hold people accountable to this. Um, and so re- re- basically t- uh, a fellowship to be a participant in a DNA group is essentially to agree to these expectations that fit into this acronym called ORBED. So O-A-R-B-E-D. We did not invent this, but we have, we're big fans of taking other tools that possibly have pagan origins and then framing them in (laughs) light of the gospel and using them for redemptive purposes. And so that's what we did with with this tool. I like it. So um, O stands for ownership. We're we're basically saying that to be in a DNA group is to say, I'm going to own my own need for growth. I'm going to take ownership of my my walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be intentional about my spiritual formation and my my relationship with Jesus. A stands for accountability, which just says I'm going to I'm, I'm expected to have the humility and the willingness to receive feedback from this group, um, and I and I'm going to be willing mm-hmm. to open myself up to be held accountable to the life that Jesus has called me to. So, um, so gather, go, grow, and give. Mm-hmm. Like if you guys see me failing in those areas or whatever, like I'm going to I'm committed to having the humility. Um, just to receive that feedback and that accountability from you. And then the R stands for responsibility, and responsibility is just, I'm going to be committed to take responsibility for myself, and I'm going to show up prepared and ready to engage. I'm going to read the scriptures that week. I'm going to show up ready to kind of talk about what God is saying to me, what God is doing. And, of course, if that if if, if I fail that week, there's mm-hmm. grace for that. But if there's a pattern of apathy or a pattern of of, you know, resisting to do that, that's a place where the group steps in and says, Hey, remember these expectations. Um, you know, we, we, we want to say this, the more you want for yourself in this group, the more you'll get. And so we're like encouraging people, like really take ownership, accountability, and responsibility for yourself. And that all, that all Brad would be considered above the line, but below the line is BED. BED is blame, excuse, and deny. So expectations would be, um, Mm -hmm we're expected not to blame others for our actions and re- and refuse to take responsibility for hmm. ourselves. Like we're just, if, if, you know, if we sniff that out or if we see that in the group, like we're just going to gently, gently address that, you know, excuse is making excuses and yeah. dodging accountability by justifying and defending. And so um, I know I'm prone to that. And so if I'm making excuses for my sin or my apathy or whatever, um, and I'm dodging accountability and I'm, I'm being defensive, like and the expectation is that the other members of the group is going is gonna point that out. Um, and then deny is just refusing to embrace reality. So just basically <clears throat> if you see me drifting through life with my eyes closed, which is the opposite of taking ownership um, of my formation in Christ, then you know the group's gonna call that out. So basically you, that's all below the line. And so <clears throat> t- just to sum that all up, uh, DNA group members are, are basically graciously encouraging one another to live above the line. Like that's kind of language that we're, we're trying to mm. impart to our people. You know, we're, we're trying to help you take ownership and accountability and responsibility for yourself and, and your relationship with, with God and Christ. And when you do that, it brings life to the group and it brings life to, to you. Um, and so when you live below the line, mm. we say like, that's, that's the way of death this passivity mm-hmm. in the form of blaming and excusing and denying like that's just going to bring death to the group and death to your soul. Mm-hmm. And so we really want to help each other. Remember that it looked like abiding in the vines, not passive and and we're, we want to help you live above the line and, and live and experience the life Jesus has called you to. Yeah. So that's kind of expectations that Orbed uh, would be the expectations for members uh, of a DNA group.
0: Man, that's uh, not, it's not every episode that I learn something new, honestly, but that acronym right there, that's some good stuff. Uh, I really like that. That's really brilliant, guys, Uh, and so helpful in so many ways. Uh, Orbed, that's great. Those are really like right on expectations for DNA group
1: members. I'm
0: going to, I'm going to steal that from whoever you stole it from, going to pay the stealing forward.
1: The stealing the word, for, man. that's right. Nothing nothing but original from, from these two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. Assuming uh, that there's someone out there who's listening and they want to get DNA groups started in their own ministry, in their own church, uh, what exactly exactly happens when a DNA group gets together? So like on a practical level, what does a typical meeting
1: look like? Yeah, man. I love to get practical. So. Mm-hmm. I'll start by saying this. We really want to see our people starting their day in the scriptures.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am not sure how anyone, I don't know if it's possible for anyone to truly display Jesus if they're not gazing upon him and, and just abiding with him before their day even gets started. And so um, because we think the Bible plays such a significant and powerful role in that, one of the things we're asking our DNA, DNA leaders to do is, is before they do anything else, to take their DNA through a passage of Scripture and then to dialogue over it together by answering three questions. And so they would read the passage together. And the first question would be, what word, phrase, or image stands out to you? So mm-hmm. what could this mean for you? Uh, they're going to read it a second time. And obviously, this will be kind of a short passage. But uh second question would be, why am I drawn to this word? You know, What in my life needs to be met by this word? And then they'll read a third time together. And the third question will be, is there a good desire that the Spirit is stirring me in light of this? Hmm. And then we'll pray together. And then we'll do what we call a feeling check-in, which is probably new to some people, but basically a feeling check-in. It's just a way for us to get under the hood and think about where we are in our relationship to where God is. And, basically the way that we help our our DNAs do this is we give them eight primary feelings. It's not like the only feelings that exist out there, but it's kind (laughs) of the primary colors, right? I mean, why didn't you go nine? (laughs) That's that'd be another podcast, Brad. We don't have time for that.
0: Gotta go. I mean, eight. I mean, (laughs) why not seven? Yeah. Seven, eight, nine. You know what I
2: mean? he's He's doing another Enneagram reference. Yeah, yeah, not that's
1: feelings. Oh, well, that's good. I didn't pick up on that. Good for you guys and y'all's Enneagram jokes, inside jokes. Well,
2: leave it to the expert.
1: Hey, can I talk? Can I share? Yeah,
0: there are eight feelings. Go for it. Go for it, Bob. <laughs> How do you feel about it?
1: Right now, I feel pretty angry. Um, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, we give the eight primary feelings, which are anger, fear, lonely, hurt, shame, guilt, sad, and glad and we remind our members like none of those feelings are bad sometimes look at that list and they're like oh those are like all negative except for one and and actually they're not i mean like for example like you can't have passion if you don't have anger you can't have wisdom if you don't have fear right i mean you can't have healing if you don't have hurt so anyways um we just all hey the feelings they are what they are and so everyone gets a chance to share what they are feeling and and we literally just like have a list out there so people can look at the feelings Mm -hmm. And honestly, like just sharing the feelings is a win in itself in a lot of ways because nobody's even people are so dang busy. They don't even slowing down long enough to even think about what's going on in their heart. Totally. And then after everyone shares, um, we give people the chance to explain um, why they're feeling what they're feeling. So, you know, like, for example, one guy in my group might say, man, I'm feeling a lot of guilt because me and my wife had a fight last night. I said some things I shouldn't have said. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm feeling a lot of fear right now because I got a doctor's appointment this afternoon and I'm really worried about the results. And then what that does is it gives us a chance to dive deeper. It's just kind of a springboard and it really kind of understanding like what they're worshiping possibly or like, you know, like what's really going on in their heart. And so it might be like, okay, like, well, well what are you worried about? Like, what's the worst that could happen? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like what's it you're really wanting that you're afraid you're not going to get that if you don't get like, you can't be happy, you know, so like you can't have mm-hmm. satisfaction, fulfillment in life or whatever. Um and, and so we we go through that and and then after that happens um, basically or as that's happening, we really teach our people to, try to to try to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit to the prompting of the Spirit and so you know try to teach them how to be an active listener meaning like you're listening to two people at once you're listening to the person and the Spirit and, and the reason that's important is because sometimes the Spirit is going to call you to sh- for sure like speak up and share the gospel right to speak the truth and love but then other times like the Spirit we think might just be calling us to sit in the pain mm-hmm. you know I mean grief needs a witness. And, and, and sometimes like people just like, man, they really like one of the ways they can experience the unconditional love of God, or the grace of God is just to have someone listen to them mm-hmm. and, and cry with them and say like, dang, dude, like that freaking sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so that happens at times too. And, you know, between the scripture and the feeling checking, I mean, that's going to take up the bulk of the time. But then, once we looked at the scriptures, we share our feelings. Uh, we try to come up with the action steps. I mean, that's that's big, right? That's part of the accountability piece. Is okay in light of this, like what do we want to do moving forward? What the Spirit's calling us to? We pray and and then we hopefully end the meeting all within about an hour.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's a good rhythm there too. And and I think just to encourage people out there that that that's, uh, some some groups are drawn to. One of these three sections that you just sort of outlined, the the reading the scripture section, the like, listening to each other's feelings and caring for the hurt. There's the drawn to like, well, what are we going to do about it? But I just want to encourage people to, to really make space or time and, and track the time well so that you do all three of those movements or agenda items, if you want to be real technical, uh, every time you get together. Because it, it's hard... Uh, to really do that, as we described in the beginning, that discipleship and nurturing towards Jesus and obedience towards mm-hmm. the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If we, if we don't do all three of these and, yep. uh, and to help people connect their feelings to the scriptures, the, the obedience to their feelings and their scriptures and the truth, like we
1: we just need that that full package. Yeah, and that's why it's important to set those expectations that Adam talked about with the members and the leaders, because if you don't do that, from our experience, so people may mean well, they'll step into a DNA and they'll basically just talk for fifty minutes and then like just right. like, hey, what, you guys got anything this week? Like, oh no, man, you know, just, oh, yeah, I guess you know, just pray for me. I just got some stuff at work. You know, and it's like okay, right. and then like two months later, they're like, yeah, <laughs> DNA just really didn't work for me, right? So, yeah, I would say follow that, and then also give it time because no one changes overnight. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: absolutely, yeah, and I think too,
0: just to throw some other things out there, if you're just starting in DNA groups, even in your church, or you get, uh, my experience has been, every time I've gotten a group of three or four guys together for this within my missional community. In the beginning, I start asking questions like, so how, what does prayer look like for you in your daily life? Or what does, this, what do, what does reading the scriptures look like for you in your daily life? Um, how do you process what's going on? And I would say more often than not, or probably even higher than that, 70, 80% of the time, most of the guys in that group are like, oh, I don't read my Bible or pray unless I'm at church or unless I'm with my community. Like, that's the only time I do that. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Or I don't process my feelings until there's a crisis. Uh, And so I think it can be, it's like, oh, sweet. So that's what we're going to be doing in this DNA group. (laughs) Like We're going to be learning how to do that stuff. And and it can help really, like, build ownership. And then even to what you're saying that takes time, you know, it's, I mean, one of the more fruitful things that I see uh, that I've seen is just, like, these guys that go from, like, yeah, I've never read my Bible for myself. to so like, oh, I can't wait to do this. And then to teaching other people how to mm-hmm. do it. I mean, that's, those are normally the, the things that we skip over as we strategize global domination as sure. evangelicals. Yeah. And so absolutely, man, it, there's, that's some, that's some good work. And that's basically what we're talking about with DNA groups. Yeah. yeah. At a, a real fundamental level. So. Um, yeah, any any resources that you guys would like to recommend as as people uh, might want to strengthen their groups or engage in them for the first
1: time? Um, well, I know Saturate has a great resource out there, and Brad, I'll let you talk more about that. But I, I would I would say, apart from the Saturate resource, the only thing that comes to my mind is is if you you want more work around the feelings, which I think we all need a lot of work in. I think we've totally yeah. uh, cut that out of our discipleship to Jesus. And it's like one of the most underrated parts that that you know is absolutely involved and in, in crucial in our discipleship to Christ. And so if you want more uh, information on that, I mean, there's tons of stuff with Pete Scazzaro out there on the being emotionally healthy and on why that's important. Yeah, um, just yeah. anything about Pete Scazzaro, you probably start with emotionally healthy spirituality then go to the emotionally healthy leader. Yeah. But then um, apart from that, I would look at the Voice of the Heart workbook uh, by uh, Jeff Schulte, who's a mentor to me and Adam. And Uh, does some work with our church, but there's a great workbook out there. I think it's like 15 to 20 bucks. It actually dives into those eight primary feelings and and it's worth every single penny. Mm -hmm. So those would be the resources I recommend. How about you, Adam?
2: Yeah, no, I think what Jared said, I mean, just for these purposes, um, I mean, that's the feelings check in. uh, Yeah. The voice of the heart has been extremely helpful. What's so great about that too is uh, it, it basically is just a, a deep study in the Psalms and, uh, in the life of Jesus and, and, and taking a look at, at just how, how we are emotional beings created in, in the image of an emotional God. And I think that, 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 by the way, just that conversation is really helpful in a day and age where, where my feelings define reality. Mm. And so, but it's kind of a redeeming and reclaiming feelings. So no, I don't have any other resources. I don't think I would add to that. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. For Saturate, we have uh, a book
0: called Growing in Christ Together. It's a 16-week study that that basically lays the foundation for walking through the D, the N, the A of DNA groups. Uh, And it also explains the gospel and the story and community and mission, those sorts of things. It's a great sort of foundation-laying thing. Uh, It also has daily reading plan and, and that sort of stuff. And there's a leader guide and there's a participant guide They're both, depending on discounts and stuff, it's between 50 and 20 bucks. So you should definitely check that out. And then also we have a lot of free resources on Saturate about this topic. So you can actually go to resources and just search DNA and you will find a whole bunch of videos or just there's a list of thoughtful questions you can ask. So I know that's how I started is I needed a list of questions to think about because I was such a terrible Mm -hmm. listener. And so... There's a bunch of resources like that. Um, and we'll continue to add to them because we keep growing and learning more and more stuff. But uh, yeah, Jared, Adams, so good to be hanging out and talking again. Thanks for uh, giving us your time today to hear how you're working this out in your church. I learned a ton. And uh, for all you listeners out there, uh, as always, we're super encouraged by you. Ask us questions. You can write to us at hello at saturatetheworld.com. You can also reach out via social media Uh, that is super helpful and encouraging if you like the podcast rate us on whatever platform you're using so that other people can find us yeah and with that uh, i think that basically wraps up the episode we'll be talking to you again soon super excited about all these fall episodes that we have coming your way today's podcast was edited by ben fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band mopac Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.